Priority Talk. Welcome back. This is Truth 101.1. Glad to be with you tonight. This is Nate Williams. Greg Davis is out for today, but he'll be back later on. I think it's next week he'll be back. And I'm glad to be talking with you. We are going to have a little bit of a Bible study in this second hour. And that's what we often do. Many of you aren't able to make it to church for various reasons, and oftentimes at church on Wednesday nights you have classes and small groups and all that jazz, and uh, you might be missing out on that, and you're wanting to read your Bible, you're wanting to have these conversations, and so Greg and I, that's what we do on Wednesday nights. We have a little bit of a Bible study. Now, before we get to Philippians, which is the book I've recently been going through, we're going to get to chapter 3 in a bit. But before we get there, let's talk about how we read our Bibles. I've, I've served in various different roles in ministry throughout the years, and I love it. It's a joy. And one of the most common questions I get asked is, how do I read my Bible? What, what do I do? It's, it's intimidating, if you think about it. The Bible is a big book. In fact, it's a collection of 66 books. It's divided into two big sections, you could say, Old Testament, New Testament. There's Israel, which is a major focus in the Old Testament. There's the church in the New Testament with some overlap, and that gets down its own rabbit trail of what to do with that topic. But Israel and the church, you have Jesus, you have prophets and kings and priests and disciples and apostles, lots of different historical characters, lots of different stories. You also have different genres. You have Proverbs, you have Psalms, you have some of the wisdom literature. You have the apocalyptic books. You think Revelation and Ezekiel and and, and a lot of visions there. You have the historical books. You think about Acts, all right? Once Jesus ascended into heaven, you have the spreading of the church all around the world, or really in Acts, oftentimes uh, just, just around the Mediterranean. But we know Christianity is now a global religion, so eventually it got all around the world. The Bible can be intimidating. I'm not going to lie. In fact, I got a degree basically, in studying the Bible. And I'll admit it's a lot. There's so much I don't know. And so if you are reading your Bible for the first time, or let's say you're newer, that's a legitimate question. How do we read our Bible? What do we do? And so I'm going to talk with you through different Bible study methods. This is from an article on the Bible Gateway blog. And they give different ways of reading. So there are different methods, you could call them, how to go about doing something. That's a method. There's the inductive method, what I call the journalist questions. Uh, so you have the who, what, where, when, why, and how. So when you go to read a passage of scripture, you ask who, who's speaking, who's the intended audience, then you ask the what, what's going on, what's happening, what is the passage about? Then you have the when, when is the event taking place, the where, self-explanatory, where is it taking place, why, what's the whole point of all this? And then the how, this gets into application, how does this change my life, what should I do, what should I believe? 
Is is God wanting me to, is convicting me of something or wanting me to act in a certain way? The how, how does this change what I know about God and humanity? So that's the inductive method using the journalist questions. I think that's very effective to help you read your Bible when you come across a certain passage. There is the SOAP method, S-O-A-P, scripture, observation, application, and prayer. So you read the scripture, and in the suggestion from this uh, writer is to write out one or two specific verses by hand. You observe, you ask the questions, that kind of gets into the last method, ask some questions of the text, you apply, all right, how, how can I live what I'm being taught in this passage? And then there's prayer. Afterwards, I think that's great. Afterwards, pray about the passage and through the passage. That's another question I get. I'll kind of get into prayer for a moment. What, how, how do I pray? What do I pray? Well, there's the famous teaching from Jesus on that. There's the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. There's that. Uh, and there's also pr- praying through the scriptures. I think Psalms is, is a great book for this. Use the text that you've been reading to pray. Pray for family members and neighbors and coworkers and just spend time in prayer, talking with God, letting him know what's going on in your life. He already knows. He, he is God. I understand. He already knows. But he still wants to hear from you. Think about a father and a child. The father might know how the child's day has been, but you still want to talk with your child. I think that's how it is with God, uh, with us. And then, okay, so that's the SOAP method. Scripture, observation, application, and prayer. Then there is the text method, another way of reading our Bible. T-E-X-T. Talk to God in prayer before you read. So pray first, then E, encounter God and humanity in Scripture. Uh, what does this passage say about God? And what does it say about humanity? And now this is cheating a little bit, but not a whole lot of words start with X. X, examine your heart, considering what needs to be confessed, taken away, maintained, added, as a follower of Jesus, so examine your heart. That's the X. Like I said, a little bit of a fudge, but that's okay. And then there is T. Talk to God and others. Thanking God for what he's shown you in Scripture and sharing what he's shown you with someone else. So again, start with prayer and with prayer. I like that as well. So these are just different ways of reading our Bible. Um, I think another way that I like is kind of character studies. If you look throughout history, there are a lot of fascinating people you can learn from. People like to read about FDR and JFK and Eisenhower, and you might have Winston Churchill, you might have... Just lots of different people. In a bad way, you might want to learn about Hitler, Mussolini, and I don't know, Putin, and whoever. We like to learn about the great people in the world. Now, great, note what I'm saying. Don't come at me. Don't get mad at me. I'm not saying morally good people. I'm just saying they were impactful people throughout history. So that's what I mean by great. We want to learn about the great people of the past. So we're like, okay, they did this well. 
They did not do that well. These were their strengths. These were their weaknesses. Whoever it is. What can we learn from? What can we avoid through the example, good or bad, that this person set? Well, you can do the same thing in the Bible. Obviously, if you read the Gospels, you'll learn about Jesus. But there are a lot of great historical figures you can learn from. Uh, Moses and Abraham, David. You get to the New Testament, you think of Peter and Paul and uh, John and just a lot of great people to learn from. Uh, Solomon and Noah and the prophets, various prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, whoever. And you can learn about their life and what they did well, what they didn't do well, and lessons we can learn. And so that's another way of doing Bible study. Find an interesting person that you like and spend time spend time just reading passages and then there'll be commentaries there'll be books written about these people you know character studies as well from authors and scholars and theologians just ways of doing it and this is ultimately my advice i know we got to go to break and eventually we'll get to philippians chapter 3 for tonight keep it interesting mix it up change things. Sometimes if you're like me and you do the same thing over and over and over again, it gets old. You kind of go through the motions. You check off a box. And so switch it up. Do some different things. Uh, Involve nature if you can. I love being outside. Uh, Involve lots of prayer. Study. So uh, maybe watch some videos. There's, There's media about various parts of the Bible. So watch some videos and whatever it is, keep it, keep yourself engaged, practice the discipline of reading our Bible and praying. That is so very important. This has been, or this is, we're still on Priority Talk Radio. We'll be on till seven o'clock. Let's see. What else do I want to talk about before the break? We have a website, PriorityTalkRadio.com. Make sure to check that out. A lot of good information there. And also check out our podcast, Priority Talk. It's on Apple, Spotify, and all the major podcast carriers. We'll be right back, and we'll talk Philippians throughout the second hour. Don't go anywhere. Here at Priority Talk, we're showcasing our longest-running advertiser and good friend of the show, Today's Family Dentistry, your family hometown dental practice, conveniently located in downtown Coleman. Make your appointment to see Dr. David Kim, Dr. Key Tan, or Dr. Stephanie Young, along with an experienced and certified team of dental technicians and a friendly staff who serve both children and adults with a wide range of dental services. That includes general and restorative care, along with all the cosmetic enhancements to meet all of your family's dental needs. Today's Family Dentistry accepts Medicaid for children under 21, Blue Cross Blue Shield, all kids, and most commercial insurances. Give them a call today and make your appointment at 256-739-3337. That's Today's Family Dentistry, located in downtown Coleman, directly behind the Coleman County Courthouse. That's 256-739-3337. Today's Family Dentistry, your friendly hometown dentist in Coleman. Alabama. This is Robert Jeffers, Bible teacher on Pathway to Victory. Thank you so much for listening to Priority Talk with my friend, Greg Davis, right here on WXJC. (laughs) 
Welcome back. This is Priority Talk Good News, Christian Values, and we're going to keep talking about how to read our Bibles, and then we'll get into Philippians chapter 3 in a moment. Now, one thing you want to keep in mind when you're reading the Bible is the genre. And I know this messes a lot of people up, but me included, that you read the Bible and you're like, wow, Proverbs feels very different than the Gospels. Then you have Paul's letters. Then you have a book like Revelation. And, and how do, what, what do we do with that? So we want, we want to be careful. So I'll give you an example. Proverbs 22, verse 6 is one of our, I think, collectively favorite verses in the world. I'll read it. This is from the ESV. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. And, and we love that. If you're a parent out there, that gives you a lot of wis- uh, wisdom, but a lot of encouragement, a lot of comfort. Okay. If I just raise the child up as I'm supposed to, it's all going to be okay. It'll all be all right. Now, here's the thing. We all know people who, they're good parents, but for various various reasons, the children grew up and left the faith. They maybe turned to a life of crime Maybe they became addicted to drugs, and the parents are like, what did we do wrong? We're reading Proverbs 22, verse 6, and we we tried to set a good example, and we we tried to live as we should, and we tried to be good parents, but then for whatever reason, the child grows up and of his or her own free will decides to live a certain way, and as a as a parent, you're like, but but I thought the Bible said. I thought the Bible said this, and, and, and the Bible lied to me. No. No, that's not what happened, even though I understand the the distress. Proverbs is part of a genre called wisdom literature. Wisdom literature. And in this genre, it is full of general truths. Proverbs is, is so so when you look at Proverbs and it says work hard and good things will happen and uh, treat people well and good things will happen generally that that that's true it, it does happen that that you work hard you treat people well you speak kindly to people that in general things will go well with you in your life you'll get promoted and you'll Um, have healthy relationships, a healthy marriage, and all that's true generally. But again, just like with the parent example, we all know people, maybe this is you, where you did things the right way, but something bad happened. You got injured. You got ill. You you lost your job. Uh, something happened in your marriage and you look to God and, you're, and you say, well, I was reading Proverbs and you told me that if I just did these things, I, I, my life would be successful, however you measure success. And I got to be careful. I don't want to be a prosperity preacher. We do know that sometimes bad things happen and God allows them to happen for various reasons. Uh, we won't get into that. But anyways, God, God I, I was reading Proverbs and why did you let these things happen? Again, 
general wisdom that will often come true. But you think about Job and the trials he went through. You think about Joseph. Remember Joseph? Good worker, hard worker, honest man, and uh, was sold into slavery by his brother. Did, did uh, by his brothers. Did a lot of growing up in uh, in slavery, and he rose through the ranks of the slaves in Egypt under Potiphar, and was like his right hand man. He was in a great position, was over his household and his stuff. And if you know Genesis, you know how the story goes: that Potiphar's wife made a move on him. And he rejected her advances, as they say. He fled, as, as you're supposed to do. And um, and it didn't turn out with him. It didn't turn out well with him initially. Eventually, you know the end of the story, it does. But it didn't turn out well for him for a while. He was framed. Potiphar's wife kind of helped him go to jail. She framed him. And again, Joseph would be like, hey not cool. I was doing the right thing. And why did this happen to me? Proverbs contains general wisdom. What's another example? I think another example is in Psalms. Psalms is poetry, right? Psalms is poetry. So people will look at Psalms and and will we'll say, oh, the Bible is unscientific because the psalmist says something about the earth being set on pillars or whatever. And if you look at the earth, you know that it's suspended in space and it it doesn't work like that. It's not on pillars. And I'm like, come on, bro. It's poetry. It's, it's poetry. What are we, what are we doing here? And so we just need to know the genre. I think I'm very careful with revelation. I know a lot of people are quick to make predictions and prophecies, and hats off to you if you have the gift of prophecy and your predictions are accurate, great. Me personally, I'm just very wary of saying revelation, this is that nation and this is that politician. I just, revelation is an intimidating book. And so because there's a lot of prophecy and imagery and, and beautiful stories there in Revelation, I'm just wary. You know, I know we've had guests on in the past, Jonathan Kahn. You can check out his episode. It's on our, our uh, Priority Talk podcast. And people like that are much better than I am in making predictions and making connections. Uh, I, I just am careful because apocalyptic literature is tricky. Sometimes it's hard to understand. And so what I'll do with apocalyptic literature is, yeah, you read the commentaries, you read what people say, and that's valuable. But I also make sure to read Revelation in a devotional manner. Part of Revelation's reason for existence was to encourage believers who were going through a difficult time to encourage the church that was facing a lot of persecution. So yes, you have the predictions and the prophecies. You think Left Behind and stuff like that. Left Behind and all the series like it. it yes, that is a component of it. But also it was meant to encourage the believers to stay strong, that I know you're suffering, but Jesus sees you in these dark times. Persevere till the end. And then you get to the genre of uh, 
let's see, the genre of Paul's letters and Peter's letters in the New Testament. What do you do with those? You have to be careful because they were written pastorally to address oftentimes specific situations. What do we do in this culture when this comes up? What do you do in that culture when that issue pops up? And Paul and Peter were often, and and then John has his letters as well. Uh, Paul was writing to specific churches and specific cultures. However, you don't want to completely say, well, I don't have to listen to Paul because because um, he was written 2,000 years ago. He was writing 2,000 years ago, and he was addressing issues that I might not specifically be addressing today. Well, no. Now, we can't do that as well because we can glean principles from Paul's letters. No, you might not specifically be coming across food that has been offered to idols. Paul talks about that issue in, 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 in uh, 1 Corinthians. No, you might not address that issue in your church, but there will be others. So don't think that because Paul was writing to specific context, you know, contextual stuff going on thousands of years ago, that we can throw out his letters that they have nothing to do with us today. That's not true. You glean principles from the writings in those letters that you can then apply to our day-to-day life today. So, for example, Paul, in the beginning of 1 Corinthians, talks about division. He talks about, oh, some of you are are following Paul, Peter, Apollo. Some of you are saying, oh, forget all that. I'm following Jesus. And he was calling for unity. What I can't do now is I can't go and read the Bible and say, well, Apollos doesn't exist anymore. And Peter, he died. So, So, therefore, I don't have to be unified with my brethren. That's not how it works. The call to unity still applies even if the specific people have passed away. Paul is no longer with us. He's with Jesus. Hallelujah. That's great. But the things he was writing still apply to us today. We just have to be careful. There's that tug of war between context but also principles that we're still supposed to live by. And so there are lots of examples like that, Uh, things that we need to keep in mind that you don't read the entire Bible the exact same way. Uh, I, I think about a lot of the prophecies of Isaiah and Jeremiah, and yes, they were written to the old kingdoms that no longer exist in their ancient form, but again, there's still a lot of wisdom for the church and for us individually as we see the prophets trying to bring Israel and Judah back to faithful obedience to the Lord. So yes, Israel and Judah, the ancient versions of those nations, no longer exist, but But those words still apply to us in certain ways. Again, we just need to be careful. Uh, When we come back from break, we're going to go to break and then come back and we'll get into Philippians chapter 3. But these are just things to kind of set us up for reading our Bible, stuff to keep in mind, different ways, different methods of reading our Bible. That was the last section. And then different ways of looking at the genres of the Bible that was, uh, we've been talking about that that for the last few minutes. Let's go to break. Philippians 3 when we return. (laughs) 
Did you know that you can choose life when renewing your automobile tax? Choose Life Alabama is celebrating 20 years of license plate sales in Alabama. Over those 20 years, $4.4 million has been given to pregnancy resource centers just from the sales of Choose Life Auto Tags. Each year, Alabamians pay an extra $50 for approximately 6,000 automobile license plates. The great majority of those funds go directly to local pregnancy resource centers and other pro-life causes. By placing a Choose Life tag on a vehicle, you're also encouraging people to protect the unborn who are made in God's image. In this 20th year of Choose Life Alabama, Priority Talk listeners could easily help double the number of Choose Life automobile tags purchased and therefore double the amount of funds given back to your local pregnancy resource centers. Choose Life Alabama is a low-maintenance, high-impact virtual organization with practically no overhead and no physical location. Learn how you can make sure no unborn life is lost by visiting ChooseLifeAlabama.org. Pregnancy resource centers around the state greatly depend on this annual funding from license plate renewals. Learn how you can help at ChooseLifeAlabama.org. And now, back to Priority Talk with Greg Davis. My life be like, ooh, ah, yeah, ooh, my life be yeah. like, Bible study Wednesday night. Let's do this thing. For many of you out there, you're not able to, for various reasons, make it to a church on Wednesday night. And so Greg and I often do these things where during the second hour on Wednesday, we will cover a passage of scripture and we will talk through it. And that's what we're going to do till seven o'clock. We're going to walk through Philippians chapter three. I love this book and the last couple of Wednesdays, it, uh, skipping last week because it was kind of a Thanksgiving week, skipping last Wednesday. Uh, past that, last couple Wednesdays before that, we've been walking through Philippians, and so next up we have Philippians chapter 3, and I like how Philippians, it kind of meets you in the middle. It has some rich theology, and I love theology. Let's learn about God and the study of God and what that means for us. I love some good theology, and then with that, there is good pastoral advice good personal and corporate uh, application. That's another thing you want to keep in mind when reading the Bible. It's not all about you. Remember that. So yes, we do read the Bible for personal application, but also remember it's about the church in general. It's also about all of humanity. We want everyone to come to a saving knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So remember that. Sometimes when I know I read my Bible, I just wait until I get a personal nugget that I can use. And I'm like, great. Okay, I'm done. No, not quite. We read the Bible, not just for ourselves, but also to know the plans that God has for all of the world and all of the church. So let's keep that in mind. I'm going to dive in Philippians chapter 3. There are how many verses in 3? There are 21 verses. Let's go and do this thing. All right, the words of Paul. I'm going to read from the NIV. Further... My brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. 
For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put, uh, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. And we want to be, okay, so who are the dogs? Dogs, as in any culture at any time, calling someone a dog is, I don't mean like a D-A-W-G, like that's my dog. No, it's like a dog. It's like a bad word almost. It's, 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 a, it's an insult. Watch out for those dogs. Paul does not cuss here, so just for clarification. But it's like a, you know, it's, it's an insult is what it is. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. And I think though, you know, Paul talks about it in all of his letters, really. It's those who are selfish, those who are carnal and earthly-minded and give in to just the most evil of desires. And I think those are who the dogs are. So we who serve God by his spirit, so it would be those who serve Satan, who boast in Christ Jesus, it would be those who boast in themselves, and who put no confidence in the flesh, and so therefore it would be those who are confident in the flesh. I think those are the dogs that Paul is talking about, It those evildoers. And so, yeah, kind of it. One thing I like about the Bible is oftentimes when you have a question, you keep reading on and it'll answer the question for you. And so in verses uh, after the verse talking about the dogs, it talks about how we're supposed to be. And so you take the opposite of that. And that's who Paul's talking about. Going to verse, uh, continuing on verse four, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me now, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. Now, hear what Paul's saying, right? Paul is saying, oh, you're confident in the flesh? I can be too. Look at my pedigree. Look at my credentials. I know, I think Paul knew at least like four languages. He knew um, Arabic. He'd know uh, Latin. He'd know Greek. And he'd know however many other languages. You know, maybe uh, Hebrew and all that. He, he knew so many language, languages. He was educated by the top scholars of the day. He probably had the Old Testament memorized. He followed the law down to a T. He was a Pharisee. And he's like, all of that, I count as loss. It does not matter to me now because I have Jesus. And so my question to you, the listener, is this. Where do you put your confidence right now? Is it in your job or your job title? Is it in your social media following? Is it in your looks? You look in the mirror, you're like, wow, I'm a hot shot. Look at me. Is it in your bank account? You check your app in the morning and you're like, wow, those numbers are pretty big. A lot of zeros. I love it. What is your confidence? Because Paul's saying, I had all the confidence in the world in terms of those things. I was untouchable. I was a rising star. I was zealous. I was righteous under, you know, by, by worldly standards he was. You know what he says? 
I count all that as loss. So for those of you who put your identity in your looks, well, guess what? Looks fade. I hate to say it. For those of you who put your identity in your bank account, well, I'm sorry. When you stand before Jesus, the bank account's going to be at zero. God won't care all the money you've made. It's going to be, what did you do with the money? If you put your bank account, excuse me, if you put your identity in your degrees, maybe you're a very educated person. Again, standing before God, God's not going to care. He's going to care about what you did with the degrees, but just the fact you have them doesn't, won't matter to him. What else? We put our identity in our social media following. Okay, so for those of you who might have a following, you're a pastor, you're a writer, you're a speaker, whatever. Well, that stuff can change in an instant. Who are you if you have no one listening to you? Again, apart from Christ, we're nothing. Jesus gives us our worth and our value. We're made in the image of God. That's what Paul is emphasizing here. Verse 8, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. So for those of you out there, and Ray Comfort will expose this in how he does evangelism. You can go watch the Ray Comfort type evangelism videos. People think they're basically good. You'll, you'll get that a lot. Oh, if heaven exists, I'll get in because I'm basically good. I, look, I know I mess up sometimes, but I'm not a murderer. I'm not a really bad liar. I haven't, you know assaulted anyone, so I'll get into heaven that way. Well, what does Paul say? Paul says, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, that's where our righteousness comes from. We could never be good enough on our own. The standard is perfection because the standard is God's character. God is holy and righteous. He is without fault. He is without blemish. He is perfection. He is good. But good not in not as in good enough. He's good. Like that is the definition. God is love. God is good. And we can't match that standard. We're, we're sinners. We're fallen. Romans talks about that. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fallen short. That's you and me. And Paul recognizes that. He's like, if we were talking worldly standards, I'd have all of y'all beat. I would. Look at my credentials. You can't touch them. But Paul says, my righteousness comes by Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Verse 10, I'll continue. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so, somehow, attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it. We want to become like Christ. We want to know the power of his resurrection and the participation of his sufferings, attaining to the resurrection from the dead. That's our hope, that we, we live in a very messed up world. And I know it looks like everything's going to, uh, 
let's see, everything's going to just uh, bad places. Let's let's say that. Everything's going to bad places, bad results, and we get angry at our politicians. We get angry at our institutions that are failing us. Our hope is in Christ. That we know even on our worst days, it's all going to be okay. Jesus has us. Jesus is going to protect us, and and we'll we'll be there. Resurrection from the dead. That'll be us one day when Jesus comes calling. Anyways, that just gets me excited. I love talking about these these things. We are, for those of you just joining us, we are talking about Philippians chapter 3, talking about how we want to avoid those dogs, those evildoers, wicked people that seek to do harm. Avoid them. We want to not boast in ourselves and our credentials and our resume. It means nothing. Jesus is our identity and our hope. And also we look forward to a day when we will be resurrected with Christ. Let's go to break. And taking us to 7 o'clock, we are going to finish Philippians chapter 3. We'll start at verse 12 when we come back. Don't go anywhere. Don't touch the dial. Let's keep reading our Bible. Marketing can be overwhelming because the marketing landscape is full of holes to lose your money. Stop trying to piece your marketing together. Start marketing with a purpose. Dot Edison Marketing is your full-service marketing partner. They are your business's outsourced marketing team. Call them at 205-332-3728. That's 205-332-3728. Or go to their website at .edison.com. Hey, everybody, this is Kurt Cameron, and you're listening to Greg Davis on Priority Talk. We're heading towards the 7 o'clock hour and the end of our Priority Talk radio show. We're on Mondays through Fridays from 5 to 7, and I'm glad you could join us tonight. We are finishing up Philippians chapter 3, letter of Paul to the church in Philippi. And let's go back to verse 12 and keep on reading. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Oh, love that line. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What an encouraging passage. I love that. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. There we go. Strain forward, keep fighting, keep pressing on. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That's our prize. In eternity with God forever, new heavens and the new earth, being with Jesus forever. Does that excite you? 
I hope it does. Now, sometimes we don't always have the best view of heaven. We think we're going to be bouncing on clouds, strumming the harp, and what people will tell me is that's boring. They don't want to do that forever, and I don't blame you. I don't want to be a ghost little flighty wisp of cloud that just kind of rolls around and does nothing. No, God's going to have an incredible life for us in heaven. We're going to have things to do. We're going to have jobs. We're going to work. We're going to... Now, when I say work, don't don't leave me now. Some of you are like, okay, I'm out. I don't want to work. It's going to be good work. We're going to love it. We're going to love it. It's not going to be the work we think of now that for many of us is a drudgery. We just can't wait for the day to be over. We are going to be, we're going to have new bodies, a new mindset, new attitudes, and we're going to be doing joyful work. We're going to be able to worship and see one another. There's going to be fellowship and community. And uh, I always wonder about sports. I'm not going to lie. Will there be sports in heaven? I don't know. But I bet the teams will be pretty good. Uh, You know, you have eternity to get better at anything. Anyways, regardless, a lot of thoughts we can think of. But a lot of people don't want to go to heaven because they're taught that we're going to be kind of ghosty and, uh, you know, you make the insert the ghost sound. Ooh, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, that's boring. I, I agree. That's kind of lame. But it's not going to be that way. We're going to be physical creatures. We're going to be having a blast, whatever that looks like. And uh, anyways, we want to press on. We have eternity with Jesus to go. I love that. Verse 15. All of us then who are mature, should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. And so we want to think on these things. I know life gets busy and you have bills, you got a job, you uh, busy with kids and you got, it's holidays, so you're cooking and you're cleaning and Let's take a moment every day to think about God, to think about how blessed we are, to think about the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross for our sins, to think about how good we have it. We have a community. Hopefully, you're involved with a healthy local church where people read the word and they're praying and they're fellowshipping and singing and serving and just having a good time. Not that there's not going to be moments of sadness and mourning. That that happens. But generally, there's a spirit of joy because God has been so good to us. Going to verse 17. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I've often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. That is verse 21 and the end of chapter 3. So let's just go through that final section there. Let's do that. We want to live as Paul did, to follow his example. But also, look at the emotion here, and now tell you, this is verse 18, and now tell you again, even with tears. So Paul is, this is heavy. 
this weighs on his heart. Sometimes, again, I talked about this a couple weeks ago when I, it was either Philippians 2 or Philippians 1, uh, whatever it was. We think of Bible characters as a little bit of 2D, two-dimensional, kind of flat. That's not true. They were people like you and me. They had emotions. And so Paul is crying, maybe sobbing at the thought that some of his friends, remember, he grew up amongst the Pharisees. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was zealous. So he probably had a lot of Pharisee friends, probably had a lot of people in his old life. And he's just remembering them, remembering others as he's going on his missionary journey throughout the Mediterranean. All these people that he knows about, he's thinking about, whoever they are, with tears, he's like, they're enemies. They're enemies of Jesus. They're rebels. They don't know Jesus. They don't know his love and his peace and his grace and his mercy. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Now, let me tell you, even a lot of Christians who don't think a lot about their faith, and maybe they're nominal, name only, maybe they're Sunday Christians, one day a week Christians, maybe they're new Christians or baby Christians, and they don't know what they're doing. Their mind is set on earthly things. Sometimes that can describe you and me, that we get so worked up about the things of the world, politics and news and culture and some of those things, yeah, we do need to take the time to, to think through and walk through those issues, yes. But it shouldn't consume us. We shouldn't obsess over those things. We need to be thinking about the character and being of God. We need to be thinking of earth, uh, excuse me, heavenly things, eternal things, the things that last. Yeah, we all like a little bit of fun, I'm not going to lie. Fun's a good thing. We like a little bit of laughter. Laughter is wonderful. Those things are nice, but also mixed in with the, 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 the things, the day-to-day -day stuff. Are we also considering the weightier things of the world? Uh, 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 I keep saying the world. I need to cut that out. The weightier things of God, the things that really matter. Salvation. Uh, evangelism meeting the needs of the poor, particularly their spiritual needs, because you can feed them, you can house the homeless, but what does it profit them if they have all the earthly things possible, but they don't know Jesus? That's what we're after. Their destiny is destruction, their mind is set on earthly things. But then again, going to verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly, eagerly, I love that word, Await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. One day we're going to be like Christ. That is, the Holy Spirit is transforming us slowly. I mean, whew, I know for me it's a slow process. Man, there's so much I could work on, so much I could get better at, uh, so many ways I could grow. But we know that God is doing a work in, in us. So don't give up. I know it's frustrating. You fail a lot. I fail a lot. Our spouses fail. Our kids fail. Don't give up. Keep on fighting. We eagerly await. Let's go back. Verse uh, 20. We eagerly await a Savior 
from heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're looking towards. And, and it doesn't mean don't, we don't want to be like the disciples once Jesus ascended, that we just look up at heaven. All right, Jesus, when are you coming back? No, we don't do that. But as we are serving and living the life that God has for us, living in obedience, loving God, loving others, we're waiting for Jesus to return. I don't know when that'll be. I don't know. It could be tomorrow. It could be hundreds of years from now. I, I don't know. But I'm ready. Jesus, whenever he wants to return, I'm ready. I can't wait to be with him for all eternity. The words of Paul, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So if you're living on earth now, wonderful. Keep up the good fight. But when Jesus calls us home, that'll be great as well. You can't lose as a Christian. You can't lose. Philippians chapter 3, just some of my thoughts. Make sure as you go out today, what is today? Today is it's a Wednesday night. So Thursday and Friday, we'll have two more shows for you from 5 to 7. Make sure to tune in. But if uh, make sure you're praying, reading the Bible, being active in your local church. Ask your pastor how you can serve. Step into the fight. Not because you know, we are so strong and that we can make such a difference. Our power comes from God. We remember that. But we want to be faithful vessels looking to obey God in all things. And God has called us to step into culture to be a light for Jesus. And that's what we try to do. This has been a great show. Check out our podcast, Priority Talk. We'll have that Philipp this Philippians conversation in there for you eventually, maybe tonight or tomorrow night. But anyway, stay faithful and we'll be back tomorrow. So I'm going